He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. clap was for me. I want you to give a sounding, resounding clap to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Shall we just bow our heads for prayer? Tell the Holy Spirit that you need him. Tell the Holy Spirit that your life is laid bare before him and that he should speak to you this evening in a way that you can hear in the way that can affect you, and in the way that can change you. Acknowledge his presence. Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Ask that every hardness of your heart be softened by the Holy Spirit. Ask that there will be a penetration of God's word, and that the word will fall on good soil. Ask that your life will be shaped by God's word tonight. That God will give you a word in season. Ask the Lord not to forget you this evening, but to remember you. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of coming into your presence. We pray that you will speak to us. Holy Spirit, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our failures. Forgive us of our shortcomings. Your word says, my God, that you know our frame and you remember that we are dust. We come to you, O God, behind the veil. And we say that because of the blood of God, let your mercy surround us. Let your blood cleanse us from all iniquity. And let the Spirit of God have free access to us. I pray that, O oh God, there will be no sin that will separate us from you. Oh, for your word says that it is not that your hand is shortened or that your ears cannot hear. But it is our sins that have been a gap between you and us. We pray tonight. Let every unholiness, unrighteousness, anything that is unseemly, let it be removed because of the blood. And let us come boldly to your throne of grace. Cause us to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need, not only now, but in the future. Thank you for eternity. Thank you for your purpose. Above all, thank you for your anointing on this vessel of clay. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. This evening, I wanted to bring a new word and all, but that's not what the Holy Spirit wanted. So I'm going to go to a very familiar story. Because I believe that that's what God wants me to preach about. Let's go to First Samuel. I just want to title it, you know, I've preached from 
this passage many things, but this evening I just want to title it, In the Footsteps of Hannah. Okay? In the footsteps of Hannah. And I believe that the Lord will bless us. Amen. First Samuel. It's a very popular passage. Now there's a certain man from verse 1 from Ramethem, Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly. Everybody say yearly. To worship and to sacrifice. Please say to worship and to sacrifice. To the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year. Everybody say, it happened year after year. As often as she went up. Please repeat, as often as she went up. It happened year after year. As often as she went up. Okay, to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than two sons? And Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now the priest was sitting. We'll read that as we go along. But I want to say that, you know, when you read Deuteronomy 17, 17, the Lord had said that, a man shall not multiply unto himself wives. Amen. It was a clear instruction from God. You should not multiply to yourself wives. But when you look, especially in the Old Testament, even David, who was after God's own heart, Abraham, Jacob, who else? It's only Adam that I don't know of. Of having a second wife, you know. But they would be serving God, but there would be an area in their lives that was not quite right. And I want to say that if you are aligned or attached to a man of God in, every, in any way, there will be areas in his life that may not be perfect. But it does not take away God's call from the person's life. God makes men godly. He does not make them perfect. And like Paul was saying, when they asked her, can you go to a place where there's no talk? You see, love is blind, but the neighbors are not. <laughs> so you always reply yes to everything. Can you go to a place where there's no talk? Oh, as long as I'm with you, and I'll look at your face always. It will be enough. You don't know the realities. But when the realities meet you, it's something else. 
And we are told the lineage and genealogy of Elkanah, the son of Ephraim, who was one of Jacob's sons. Do you see? And who had been promised special things by God, Ephraim, Manasseh. They, 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 they took the place of certain uh, uh, Joseph's, um, they were Joseph's two sons, but they took the place of Joseph's brothers and became real sons to Jacob even. And he's from that lineage, you know. And in those days, lineage denoted what you were and what you were going to become. Like there's, there's an, an, an anointed bloodstream that flows to you. Do you see? So, but he had two wives. Amen. So those of you who are not married yet and think that I'm going to marry Mr. Perfecto, correcto, you will have a good man, but you will not have a perfect man. Just like you yourself, you are not perfect. Amen. And the Bible says that he had two wives. One was called Hannah. I always say that Hannah's name coming first to me denotes that she's probably, she was probably the first wife. And then Penina is the second wife. And as they are living together, the Bible says that the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. It didn't say that it was from her past. It didn't say it was even from a family disease. But the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. I want to say that the Lord does things that we don't have answers for. The Lord does things that we don't understand. And the Lord does things that only he can reverse. That's the kind of God we serve. Whose womb the Lord had closed. And the Bible says that Elkanah went up every year to worship because it was a yearly thing, an annual pilgrimage. And it was when you were devoted to God that you would take such a journey. So he was also a man devoted to God. And it happened every year that he would go and worship and he would sacrifice and he would go with his two wives. And so it wasn't only Elkanah going every year to worship and to sacrifice, but it was Hannah and Penina as well. I want to say that we can be the same two sisters and we can go through the same motions, but our hearts will be very different. We will all go to Shiloh. And we will all go and worship. And we will even sacrifice yearly. But there will be a Panina amongst us. And there will be a Hannah amongst us. Hallelujah. And we are all found in the church. You see, it's okay to have somebody provoke you who is from afar or outside. But when you have to live with a person in the house, day by day and night by night, it is very painful. Amen. And if the Lord has closed your womb, then you might as well sit home instead of going every year to continue to worship this same God you don't understand. And not only to worship, but also to sacrifice. Sacrifice means giving up something that costs you or something that is valuable to you. And this same God, every year, every year you go and every year nothing happens. The Bible says it happened year after year, as often as she went up. And you know, when you go on up and down, every, at a point you get tired. And the Bible says that one of the things that Satan did was to wage war against the saints of God so that he will make them weary. Because when you are tired, it's a junction on your journey to giving up. 
Amen. And you may come to church, you may even lead worship and all that, but things are not like they should be. Amen. And the Bible says the Lord had closed. Yet, Penina was behaving as if it was something Hannah had brought on herself or that she was more favored by God. And so that's why she had even sons and daughters. But you, I don't know what has become of you. And it is not only that, but you live with the sons, you live with Penina and you live with the sons and daughters as well. And you live there and you don't have anywhere else to go. That's your marital home. And somebody has invaded your marital home and you can't do anything about it. You have to live with the person. Modern day Christian, you pack your things and leave. You see, but the, whole, the, the Bible says that this, that, that, that. So, you see, we are so justice and fairness oriented. And when you feel that you have been unjustly treated and unfairly treated, it is a very good ground for the seed of bitterness to be sown. And you have a very strong sense of, I am right. But do you know that the Bible says about Jesus that like a lamb before the sheriff, so was he silent. He opened not his mouth. You know that there are times in your life as a Christian when you can see the things that it's some way. But you must learn to come to the place where you don't open your mouth. Hallelujah. And some of us, we feel that we have to address everything. And we have to settle everything. And we need an answer for everything. And we have to discuss everything. Okay, so what do you think? So I think that, you know, communication is the key to this. So you talk, and then I also talk. I was reading about Jesus' silence, and I was surprised. As the lamb before its shares is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And when the chief priests and things were asking, are you the king of the Jews? The Bible says that he didn't answer them and the Pontius Pilate was amazed. Now I asked myself, why didn't he answer? I said, I think that after his Gethsemane experience, he knew what God's will was. And he knew that speaking will not change the situation or change the outcome of what was going on. And he knew the time to keep silent. Do you know the Bible says there's a time to keep silent? Do we have those times in our lives? Some of us, when we keep quiet small, there no conveyor. If it's sometimes not even a quarrel, but you always have to talk. You have to chat about something, you know, sanguines. They can't keep quiet. They have to talk. When there's silence in the house, they feel uncomfortable. Hey, what's this? Let me break the silence. But you have to be in a place that you are in pain, but you don't speak. Because speaking will not change or improve the matter. Amen. Amen. But all of us, we like to speak. Women like to speak. Women are verbal. Women like to explain. And when they explain and it's not understood, then they explain with diagrams. And when the diagrams don't work, then they bring other uh, examples, synonyms, parables, and it's still not working. In your life, you must learn the places that you must be quiet. Because God expects... You see, the reason why you should be quiet is not because it's not painful, but because the Holy Spirit has told that this time, your speaking will not do much. So just be quiet and live your life. And I believe that as Hannah was provoked, the Bible says that Penina provoked her. What does it mean to provoke? To stir up. 
When I read the dictionary, I said that to do something to somebody so that the person will react in an angry or upset way. To upset or make the person angry. But you start it. And when the person reacts, I say, but why? Cool it. What is it? Amen. Amen. And in life, there's much provocation. In the church, there's much provocation. In your diocese, there's much provocation. Provocation is not only anger. Pain is provocation. Disappointment is provocation. And sometimes the people that you have loved the most, they are the ones who provoke you the most. Or the people that you have sacrificed for the most are the ones who provoke you the most. It's not long ago, a few days ago, I heard that somebody was saying terrible things about me and about Bishop. And then when he speaks, the people say, oh, he worked closely in the first lady's office. So, you know, the crocodile from under the water must be saying what. So I said to one of the ladies around, could you please call this gentleman and tell him that I just beg him that whatever, I won't go into what I did for you and how you were before, and I won't go into all that, but I just beg you to stop what you are doing. But as for the outcome, what will happen, I leave it to God. You see. So I was in my office when he came. So he wants to see me. That's, today I'm very busy. Because I don't think that when God uses you as a channel to be a blessing to somebody or to change the person's life, you should now enumerate to the person when he comes. Oh, the, do you remember when you used to sleep under buses? Do you remember when you were nobody? Do you remember when you were not educated? Do you remember when you didn't have a job? Do you remember what I did for you? Do you remember? I said, no. That thing is a trap so that you will exalt yourself. No. It is just a privilege that God would use you. You know, so it case, oh, I'm coming to beg. This, that, that. And I said, hmm, I just want you to know that. I have called many times to set you free from jail. So for which, for which of that? I said that if I start to talk about your reputation, there'll be nothing left. So why? Oh, he knelt down. Oh, mommy. Oh, this, that. Oh, I, I said, oh, get up. Mommy, I just came to ask for forgiveness. I said, I'm forgiving you. Me, I'm a mortal man. I have to forgive you. Why? Because God has forgiven me too. So get up and go. I'm forgiving you. Oh, mommy, forgive me. One of my pastors said, she said she has forgiven you. So get up and go. You know. Then, after he had left, two days later, I met somebody. I said, oh, I just wanted to tell you to be careful of this young man. You know, he was saying, more things. I think that happened, but I didn't know this aspect too. So, when I went to him and I was in prayer the next morning, I said, God, betrayal everywhere. When you turn left, betrayal. Pretense. Play acting. And you are also provoked. You see, and sometimes you want to say, look, Marianne, be real. I know this, 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 this. So what you are doing, I can't stand it. But when you do that, it may scatter the sheep. It may destroy. And God says that vengeance is mine. I will repay. And he says the battle is his and not yours. So you will be provoked in many ways. It's not only anger. But when you have done something for somebody. And the person pays you back the wrong way. And not only that. You too you can destroy the person even beyond what? Jail. I'll be calling. Getting all sorts of counsel. 
to remove you, telling the policemen all sorts of things. People coming, this one has done this, this one has, a lot of things. I took him to stay somewhere. The people called me that. I thought you said this person is a good person. We were there in the night, the police came looking for him. He jammed the wall. If he's a good person, what? And even in the midst of that, I said, oh, he's good. I think it's the police. I don't think it's him. <laughs> it's true, and I believed it. With all my heart, I think it's the police. It's not him. And so as he was there, I wanted to open the dossier and bring myself and show him an evidence to have studied it as a subject. Do you see? But the Lord said, quiet. Quiet. Don't even talk about what you have done for him. Why should you do that? Are you ungrateful? Long speech. No. So I told him, I'm not about to catalog all the things I've done for you. I'm not, it's just a privilege that God would use me. And I said, oh, mommy, but you are my life. And I said, don't blaspheme. Jesus Christ is the life. Nobody is anybody's life. Don't blaspheme. Before you met me, are you not living? Don't say that God will, will then be angry with me. Please, don't even go there. I'm not your life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not me. So don't come and blaspheme here. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, but I'm saying that oftentimes the provocation will come from your home. Your spiritual home. Your home where you are physically. Or the place where you live, where you abide, where you are used to going. That's where the, provo- the, the fire is lit under you in that place. It is in the house of God. It is in your place of sacrifice. It is in the place where you worship that you go through provocation of all sorts. Anger, pain, ingratitude. They are all things that Satan stirs up so that he'll get a certain reaction from you. So it's not only Hannah who was provoked, but you and I also. We have different peniners. Peniner is an agent of Satan. So anything satanic and demonic is often sent to your address. Amen. And the real thing is not what is being sent, but your reaction. If only he will get you to stumble, you may not get to the place where God intends for you. And the Bible says she provoked her soul. Hey, it was like a wound. And you have to live with it. Some of you smoke, and when it cuts, you say, no. Even take medicine, Christ. I don't like bitter things in my life. Really? As you walk with God, some will come your way. She provoked her soul so that she fretted, she worried, she was agitated. And the Bible says that, therefore, she wept. And did not eat. She wept and she did not eat. Because she was, I'm sure, all her prayer topic God, change Penina's attitude. God, do something about my husband. Change him. If you put the scale, I'm better. Change him, Lord. He has a problem in this area. Change him. And every time you spend all your time for, the situation you don't like to change, usually it will become worse. Amen. Amen. You cannot force a person to change. But what is within your power is to change your reaction to the person. You see, some of you, there are people in the church you don't talk to when you see them. Or some of you talk to them, but the church, we are good actresses. We pretend. We know there are issues, but we just pretend. You know? 
then you give the person a kiss. Ooh, it's a long time. You are stabbing her in the back. Yeah, one pastor's wife said to me, when I come and I see the people, I can't believe that they were the ones who did this to me. I can't believe it, that they were the ones who did this to me. Because when they see me, they will smile, can I help you with your bag? And then they were destroying me, and I didn't know. Amen. So Hannah wept and did not eat. And Penina was not changing. Is your life going to go down a certain drain because of somebody's reaction? Because of a circumstance you don't like? Because of something negative? Are you going to constantly respond to that person? Then that's another message called breaking the cycle of control. And I think you should get it. And that means that the person is controlling you. You are not in control. Because whatever the person, and she said this, and did you see how she looked? And she did that. And she thought, I didn't know, but I knew. And she, your whole obsession is the person and the things he or she is doing. When will you start to live? How long is life? When will you start to get on with your life? Amen. And I want to read something I saw from the Message Bible. You will be amazed. I'm reading from every year this man went up but her rival wife taunted her cruelly rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children this went on year after year Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Who is reducing you? Or rather, who are you allowing to reduce you? Turn to your neighbor and say, no more reduction. She was reduced to tears and to loss of appetite. You see, it's true that you have an issue in your mind, but you're allowing it to reduce you to much. Were you not living before you married? Ladies, were you not living? Did you not have a life before? Now you say you won't do your hair again. Your dress, we don't know. When we are calling you, you are looking somewhere. You have been reduced. Who has the right to reduce you so much? Amen, ladies. She reduced her. To tears and to no appetite. Amen. Then Elkanah came. You see, he's given portions for sacrifice, and he came. <laughs> Why is your countenance sad? Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Am I not better to you than ten sons? I was thinking about it. I said, if I were in Hannah's shoes, what would I expect Elkanah to do? I will expect him to call Penina and face her and put a stop to what is happening. Instead of asking me, why are you not eating? Why, this is the sauce. Can you not deal with it? But many times, when you expect help from certain places, those are the times when it doesn't come. So when it happens, do you look at the Bible and say, oh, it's happened before. Amen. And I said, so why, why? Do Elkanes behave like that? And I said, because they don't want to rock the boat. He's now going to tell Penina 
Stop. Hey, I should stop. Then the whole house is on fire. So instead of that, he will pretend that he doesn't see what Penina is doing. Or perhaps he genuinely does not see. But instead of asking me these four questions, why don't you deal with the source of pain, the source of frustration, the source who is reducing me to tears and to loss? You won't deal with that one. But you are asking me, is it foolish questions? Amen. And Hannah does not answer because I think she has no answer. But if it were us, we'll put all our things down and say, are you telling me you don't live in this house with us? Have you not seen? When she sings and things, don't you see the provocation? We don't know whether it's very overt because women have a way of... I always say that, you know, even the way we walk, you know, sometimes you are walking normally, that if you see the person you don't like, And a man may say, oh, is there something wrong with your shoe? There's nothing. You are you are on the battleground fully. You raise your eyebrows in the way. Good morning. 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 You say, are you quiet? I say, I didn't say much. I just. So Penina's moves also maybe were not easy to decipher. Amen. So Hannah goes to Shiloh. The Bible says that this time she arose after eating and drinking. She arose and went to the temple to pray. When she went to pray, the Bible says that her lips moved, but there was no sound coming. Why is that? The Bible says that she was greatly distressed, greatly pressurized. Greatly pushed to a corner. Sometimes it won't be a marital problem. It will be another trial. Another temptation. Something that seems bigger than you. Something that doesn't seem to change. And that thing puts you in great distress. No matter how much you know God, you, are, you will have times of great distress. And distress is frustration. You know, being in a tight spot, you don't know what to do that time. When she came to God in prayer, she said, Oh, Lord of hosts, if thou would look upon the affliction of your handmaiden. Affliction in the Bible means trouble. And the Bible says in the book of James that is any afflicted, let him pray. Amen. The Bible also says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not few. Not few and far between. But many. Amen. But why is that when it's happening to you, you are so surprised? Hey, after this, this, after that, that, it's been a whole flood. Why are you surprised? He told us that the afflictions will be many, not sparse, not a few, not in short supply, but many. The Bible says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, not of the wicked, not of the Samway people, not of the Peninas, but of the Hannes. Many the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of a few, out of one or two, out of them all. If thou would look upon the affliction of thine handmaiden and not forget me 
Do you know when you are going through a trial, you feel forgotten? You feel that this God has been 10 years, 13 years. He doesn't seem to remember my situation. And it's very easy for a Christian to be better with God. It's very, very easy. Because you see the people misbehaving like Penina and they're rather having sons and daughters. You see the people misbehaving and they're rather growing stronger and healthier. And you are being reduced to tears and to loss of appetite. If thou would remember thy handmaiden and not forget me, then if you give me a child, a man child, no razor shall come upon his head and I'll give that child to you. Amen. Now, when she prayed that prayer, the Bible says her lips were moving. But, you know, then Eli said, put away your wine. Put away your wine and try and be sober. You see, when you are in a tight spot, people give simple solutions to what you are going through. Oh, it's just the beer. If you just stop. And many of us Christians, we have short solutions to everything. So just trust God. Oh, just walk by faith. Oh, just pray. Oh, just that. But you will see that you have just, 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 but it's still not dying. And it's still not working. And like Eli, you know, the high priest has to tell you what the solutions are. It may sound easy and all that, but that is what is in the Bible. He has to share that with you. Sometimes you get offended. He's trivializing what is happening to me. He's, but hey, you have a greater high priest who is touched with the feeling of your infirmity. Not just the knowledge, but the feeling, how the pain feels, how the thing feels, he's touched with it. Amen. Amen. And so Hannah prays this prayer. And then Eli says, oh, put your, and she said, I am a woman of what? Of deep sorrow. Not small. And out of my concern, and my provocation have I prayed. My concern is that it's not that it's easy to be childless. It's not easy. But it's being worsened but by penitent behavior. I already have a problem. But then I found somebody in the church who compounds my problem. I already have a, head, a heartache. But I found somebody in my life who compounds what I should go through. Even if I know that God has closed my womb. Okay. It may be difficult and all that, but penitent provocation takes the thing to another height, another level, another place where I can't, I, I, I can't take it anymore. That's out of my great concern and my provocation. Provocation from where? Penina. He said, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. Do you know that depression leads to oppression of the enemy? Depression is a spirit. When you are walking in depression, it is a journey. You see, Satan's destination is not just here. He wants to lead you to the right destination. But it starts with, oh, I'm sad. Oh, I'm feeling pity for myself. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, and then I believe that Hannah had bottled up so much so that she got to a place where her spirit was being sat on by all the things around her. And that is when you get to the place where you are a woman of an oppressed spirit. And I believe that prayer breaks that oppression. But it's the last thing you will feel like doing. 
So some of us say, oh, but if Anna Hannah was a woman of God, why every year she goes, why doesn't she pray? Because she couldn't even find the strength or the sanity of mind or the soberness to even think of, so what am I going to do? What does scripture say? What are the biblical solutions? She's so overwhelmed year after year that you are out of control. Amen. Amen. And all that is controlling you is your circumstances and it's leading to more oppression by the enemy. And many women wallow in depression. And they come to a place where they become oppressed in spirit. They may not stop coming to church like Hannah. They may not stop coming to worship. They may not stop coming to sacrifice. But they still have an oppressed spirit. I believe that tonight, the Lord is here to break every oppression of the enemy over our lives. Amen. So she prays and then she goes her countenance is no longer sad. She eats. She wakes up the next morning. She worships the Lord and she goes. What has changed in Hannah's situation? Does she have a child now? No. Has she received a prophecy that she will have a child? No. Has any man of God come and said, eh, by this season, there is no manifestation. But from the time, time of prayer, she begins to move by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And it's not faith only in times of trouble. It's a way of life. Faith does not look at circumstances. Faith is not moved by how bad the thing is. Because the Bible says what is impossible with men is possible with God. The same Bible says that is there anything too hard for the Lord? So when her countenance changes and she goes her way and begins to break the control of Penina on her life is not because she has seen any manifestation, but a certain strength called faith has broken the spirit of oppression on her life. And I want to encourage you to walk by faith. Romans 1.17, I believe, the just shall live, shall live by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. It's a battle not to walk by sight. You are seeing the thing. You are seeing the results. You are feeling the pain. You are feeling whatever there is to feel. How can you then walk by faith? Faith that God has heard you. Faith that God knows how it will turn out. You see, when you have faith, you don't care if your brothers are envious and try to murder you. You don't care the plots and plans they have made that you don't know about. But when you are not walking by faith, what are they planning? I have to protect myself. What are they saying? I have to... Whatever. What is the plot that they are doing again? After you become worked up. When you walk by faith, you will come to the place like Joseph where he said, what you intended for evil. Even your bad things, they have rather become raw material for God. What you meant for evil, God has turned for good. So it doesn't matter what you meant. It doesn't matter how cruel your plans are. It doesn't matter how pretentious you are. It doesn't matter how unreal you are. It doesn't matter how some way you are. That raw material, God will turn it around for my good. That is faith. But some of us think faith is nothing bad will happen to me or I will overcome. And, and I, I, I was asking, if I was Hannah and I'd gone to pray, would I say, oh Lord, look upon my affliction? I'd say, Lord, I commit penina into your hands. Oh, I thank you, Lord. That you will fight my battle, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you know the people that are some way. I commit them into your hands. And you read Psalm 35. 
Oh, let your angels chase them. Let their ways be slippery. That is a prayer that will come from your heart. How many of you will agree with me? Oh, but what a woman of God. She didn't go just to talk about her problems. I mean, her complaints about people. But she talked about the situation. Lord, look upon the affliction of your handmaid. Lord, don't forget me. Lord, remember me. But if it were you and I, Elkanah will also feature on our prayer topic. Lord, I've never seen a more insensitive man. Somebody who does not care. Somebody who was married to me and has gone for a second wife. Oh God, who says that? What you have put together, let no man put asunder. I pray, break the marriage between Penina and Elkanah. God, break the marriage between Penina and Kana. Oh, break. And you start. It's breaking. Do you know that sometimes your prayer topics are not scriptural? And they are born out of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, anarchy, a revenge. And if it is so, then when we come, let's first of all confess our sins before we start. Because God will still receive us. But let's be frank with the Lord. In fact, what I've gone through, I have begun to hate Penina seriously. And as for that talk called Elkanah. Lord, it hurts so much that, in fact, if I could divorce, I will pack my things and go. No, but heal my heart. Reach the places that I cannot reach myself. Do the things that I cannot do and bring it. I, I, I can't love. I can't forgive. It's so difficult. But Holy Spirit, you are in me, both to will and to do. You see, sometimes some things are difficult for me. I say, Lord, you are in me, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Therefore, stir up that ability of the Holy Spirit in me and let it come forth. I have come to the place where I don't believe that I'm Amatazan, Ajua Rambo, who can do all things. I've come to the place where you come to a place and it's a stumbling block. It's difficult. It's hard. And you don't even know, hey, this thing God has asked me to do, how am I going to accomplish it? I can't. But if he's at work in me, both to will and to do, then I'll do it. What makes me know that Hannah, what makes me know that Hannah is not obsessed with Penina is that when she gives birth, she is quick to bring the baby to the temple. And she decides, oh, the baby is not weaned. So this year's sacrifice, I won't go. When the baby is weaned, then I'll go. But many of us, we would like to wear a white ashoke. And we'll call our 10 family friends. And when we go, that penina, do you remember what he used, she used to do? When we get to the temple, we will show her that God has answered our prayer. Say we knew. Say we knew. And then we will start in the middle when they say, a praise song from somebody. Oh, we knew. My enemies. And all this. All the song will be about that. But she had come to the place where she was not looking at how people are acting, how they are behaving. Therefore, me to also respond like that. You see, it's a way of wearying us. And it's a way of taking us from our focus. And it's a way of taking us from God's purpose. Satan distracts you so that the kingdom of God cannot march forward. Satan distracts you. That's why now you can't even preach. You can't even have your quiet time. You don't even want to counsel anybody because of the spot that you are in. You have been distracted. All your energy is being used in another thing. But it is an unfruitful thing. 
But if you have the heart of Hannah, you, your main aim will be to please God. So this year, I'm not going to Shiloh because I've promised God that I'll bring the child. So the next time I step in Shiloh, I want it to be that I'm bringing the child. And if you and I were Hannah, we would not be happy to take Samuel young like that to a temple. We want the neighborhood to know that we, too, we gave birth. We want to also take our children to nursery school and all that, and then talk to other parents. What school does your child go to? Oh, Lise, uh, mine goes to TIS, FIS, or LLS. You see, we are so into impressing people. And we are so into what people's opinions are. And we are so into man's opinion that we miss out on God's best or his purpose. What if Israel never had a Samuel? What would have happened? Yet sometimes, because of our selfishness, because of our, our drive as women, you see, there's a certain competitiveness amongst us. There's a certain rivalry. So that if you don't have something, it looks like you are not complete. So now that Samuel has come, you would like them to know that I've also joined the ranks. But if I was without Samuel, and I'm now taking Samuel to the temple, when I come back, they will say, did she give birth? I don't think so. Ah, how come? Just four weeks, six weeks, the baby is not around anymore. Ah, has the baby died? What has All these rumors, I can't stand it. So God, let me keep Samuel. When he's a teenager, then I'll see what we'll do. And when you give Samuel up, you don't have a guarantee that you have a replacement. And I have come to see that anything God gives you, he asks you back for it. Anything. He will ask of it back for it. He gave Abraham Isaac, he says, give it to me. He gave us Jesus, he says, give it back to me. He gave you Samuel, he says, give it back to me. So for me, Penina's problems have now begun. Her heart aches are now at another level. Because that thing that you desired so much has come to you. But when it comes to you, it seems like you have lost it. And you don't have it anymore. There's nothing precious that God gives you that he will not ask you for. If he gave you Isaac, you've waited for it all these years, he will ask you for it. Hallelujah. What is your Isaac? What is your Samuel? Who is your Jesus? Would you give him up? You give him to the world. You make him walk here for 30 years. Then three years after, you slay him or allow him to be slain, naked, all sorts of things. And then after that, he's gone. And you say, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. As for my son, he's sitting at my right hand. Why did you send him in the first place? But because we are men pleasers, because we are so concerned about what people think, we are so concerned about looking with it. You know, it's normal. Like, when teenagers are at a certain age, they have peer pressure of, who's your father? What do you have? What are your sports? Who are your friends? You know, my son said to me, his friend said to him, that, are you sure you are the son of Bishop Dagiwebios? He said, oh yes. They said, why? They said, because we don't see your show. <laughs> and he was telling me that to make me change my ways. Do you understand? Like, you, mommy, if you knew what people say, you said that even they don't believe I'm daddy's son and things because they don't see my show in the school. <laughs> and then he mentioned some men of God. He said, this one, the mother comes every time, takes his laundry, 
mix it, they wash it, iron it, put it in polythene bags and thing, bring it back. Food, different. And when they open my job, they say, are you the son of God? I said, I said, oh, I'm not moved at. I said, you, mommy, you see, when people see you, they think you are softer than that, but you are harder. You are, I said, look, whether I'm hard, I'm soft, that's why your name is Ewad Mills. You are not, and I mentioned different names, you are not this person, you are not this person, you are who you are. And I know that you are well looked after, so be happy. I'm not saying that I'm not happy, but some things that you, maybe you think they are luxury, they are not, so I should go by public opinion. Oh, because they say that, you know, and I really want them to know that you are Bishop's son, so I'm going to change. Wrong number, you've dialed the wrong number. Pressure. So young people have their own peer pressure. And we as women have our own pressure. Amen. Amen. And that pressure can lead us to derail God's purpose. Don't be in a hurry to receive anything good from God because he will ask you for it. That's another sermon. It's called Beyond Your Dreams. I preached it in London. Whatever God gives you, he will ask you for it again. You have a nice husband. You see, my husband, I told you, he promised me that we'll live on a farm. We'll milk the cows. And I could see it, you know, a pail of water coming down. He said, oh, we could even have a ranch on the side. I saw how romantic. And it's all, it has not happened. So I think maybe the sheep, uh, you know, the sheep. <laughs> what, what, what the vision I was having was a spiritual vision. And then I didn't see, but anything that you hold dear, including your marriage, your husband, your home, I have found that God will ask you for it. And it's not that, oh, am I prepared to release it? Don't let him take it from you by force. But rather pray for a heart of trust that when I release my Abraham, my Isaac, a greater than Isaac will come to me. Because God said to Abraham, I wanted to know what was in your heart. And to know whether you feared me. That was his main whatever. And I, I've come to see that the purpose is not about us. You see, when you are Hannah, you're having a child. I say, it's about me. You see, Elkanah and I, and then I couldn't have a child for a long time. And now God has blessed us. And our story is now beginning. It's not about you. It's about a larger purpose called Israel. A larger purpose called a chosen people that God had to preserve. The plan is larger than your small plan. Amen. And you will go through different junctions of faith in your work with the faith when you don't have a Samuel. And then faith when you have a Samuel to release it. The same journey, but different places. You see, when Paul was talking, he said, oh, at first we were staying at Manet. It was the same church that took them to Manet. And the same church that took them to Ashoman. And the same church that took them to Cape Coast. And the same church that has taken them to Winneba. So different junctions. The same manager were very happy. That was the nice part of the church. Amen. Then you move somewhere else where armed robbers attacked you. That's also another aspect. Then you move to the bushes where you didn't know where you were going. It's all another aspect. But one thing that stays constant is our God. God never changes. He remains the same. In conclusion, let me read in the footsteps of Hannah is concluding. Let me read the prayer of Hannah from the Message Bible to you. And I think that of 
So that we can call it a day. Amen. Amen. Chapter 2, verse 1. Hannah prayed. I'm bursting with good news, with God news. I'm walking on air. I'm laughing at my rivals. I'm dancing my salvation. Nothing and no one is holy like God. No rock mountain like our God. Don't dare talk pretentiously. Not a word of boasting ever. For God knows what's going on. He takes the measure of everything that happens. The weapons of the strong are smashed to pieces, while the weak are infused with fresh strength. The well-fed are out begging in the streets for crusts, while the hungry are getting second helpings. The barren woman has a house full of children, while the mother of many is bereft. God brings death and God brings life, brings down to the grave and raises up. God brings poverty and God brings wealth. He lowers also and he lifts up. He puts poor people on their feet again. He rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect to their lives, a place in the sun. Now, one thing that caught my attention was, you know, he brings death and he brings life. He brings to the grave and he raises up. He brings poverty and he brings wealth. He lowers and he lifts up. He puts up poor people and that same God. Can God take you through the changing scenes of life and still be God? Can he lift up and lower you? Can he manage you and put you in some bushes? Can he do that? And would you still think that he's God? Have you seen the different shades of God? And will our faith still stand when he turns his back and then sometimes he smiles? Sometimes we can't see, sometimes we can see. May God give us supernatural strength. Hannah said in her prayer that he gives strength to the feeble. And nowadays I've learned to say, Lord, I am weak, but you are strong. I am weak, but you are strong. I am powerless, but the power is inside of me because of the Holy Spirit. I am not great, but the greater one lives in me. When you become feeble like that, God infuses you with strength. That's what Hannah says. I pray for you in 2009. When you see the different shades and vicissitudes of life, may a certain anointing and grace come upon our lives. May we endure every attack, every onslaught of the enemy. May we live for the greater purpose, not for our Samuels, but for Israel. May we see God's greater picture and cooperate. And may the grace of the Lord, which is greater than us, remain with us and be multiplied on our lives. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.